The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Dole Food Company, the world's leading producer and distributor of fresh fruits and vegetables. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to welcome members of our armed forces who are tuning in over the internet, as well as first-time listeners on new affiliate stations in Iowa, Florida, New York, New Hampshire, and coast-to-coast across this great country of ours. Thank you for making us part of your Newsweek. In just a moment, lawyer, consumer advocate, and author Ralph Nader will be joining us to talk about his newest book, and non-establishment insurgent candidates in the 2016 election. So hang on to your hats because what you hear in the next hour may change how you see the current field of candidates and how you vote later this year. But before Mr. Nader joins us, as is my custom each week, let me tell you a little about his background. Ralph Nader was born in Winstead, Connecticut, the son of immigrants from Lebanon. His first brush with politics was when he would sit and listen to customers discuss politics in his father's bakery. For those who knew him, it came as no surprise that after graduating Princeton, Nader headed straight to Harvard Law School. He served six months on active duty in the United States Army before being admitted to the bar and practicing law and teaching at the University of Hartford. Then Nader moved to the nation's capital, where he served as a political aide to Secretary of Labor Daniel Patrick Moynihan. But what you may best remember Nader for was his 1965 book, Unsafe at Any Speed, which exposed how unsafe American vehicles were and led to the 1966 National Traffic and Motor Vehicle Safety Act and established the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. His work inspired thousands of activists who became known as Nader's Raiders, activists determined to investigate wrongdoing by business and government. Nader has been responsible for many nonprofit organizations, including Public Citizen, the Public Interest Research Group, the Center for Auto Safety, the Clean Water Action Project, the Disability Rights Center, and many, many others. And he has been a presidential candidate five times since 1992. I would also add that Mr. Nader is a prolific author. His recent book, Return to Sender, Unanswered Letters to the President offers legal and ethical insights into the Bush and Obama presidency. And I just finished it, and folks, it is a terrific read. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report consumer advocate, former presidential candidate, and author of Return to Sender, Mr. Ralph Nader. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Nader. Oh, you're very welcome, uh, Rebecca. Well, first, let me congratulate you on your new book. I finished it last night, and um, I have to say, uh, I couldn't put it down. I think I finished it about 4 o'clock this morning, so uh, I'll I'll do my best to stay awake. (laughs) It it (laughs) was great. That's that's quite a commendation. It's It's a book of many letters that I've written on many subjects of concern to people, to President Bush and President Obama, and to outline that they just don't even acknowledge receipt letters anymore, uh, letters of substance, that is, much less answer them. So we want to revive the letter-writing tradition of citizens to their elected representatives. Well, we're going to talk a lot more about that in the second segment, but I, I, I have to, I, I must open up this program by, uh, by reminding listeners that we just celebrated the 50th anniversary of the impact unsafe at any speed had on the automobile industry. And uh, this was a landmark win for consumers and American citizens everywhere. And I have to ask you, do you have some comments about this recent Volkswagen emissions scandal that has just erupted? I mean, what do you make of that? 
Yes, well, <clears throat> eternal vigilance, as the saying goes, is required over the auto industry. And any laxness by the auto safety agency in Washington uh, is consequential. Uh, the auto companies tend to cut corners, like GM did on the ignition switch defect, or Toyota did on the sudden acceleration uh, hazards. Uh, now we have Volkswagen, and uh, Volkswagen <clears throat> wanted to sell its diesel cars to people all over the world, uh, and they did it by saying this is a car that has good fuel economy, a good power, and by the way, unlike other non-diesel cars, it has low emissions, low pollution. But then they realized that they couldn't meet the EPA's emission control standards like other auto companies did without diesel engines. And so somebody in Volkswagen hooked up the software so that it met the standard in a laboratory, uh, but when the cars were in the hands of Americans, like 500,000 cars on the road in the U.S. of this type, uh, it would fail the standards. And this is premeditated. It is a criminal act. Uh, VW is extremely embarrassed about it. And it's going to cost them probably $20 billion before it's over. They're going to have to recall uh, a lot of cars or fix a lot of cars. There are 11 million of them all over the world. Fortunately, only half a million in the U.S. And they're going to have to pay in a variety of ways. Uh, the release of ni nitrogen oxides uh, may... Uh, uh, be uh, the most intangible of all, Rebecca, because that means that those cars were going up to 40 times the allowable limit of releasing nitrogen oxides, which is a very toxic uh, pollutant and increases the likelihood that people come down with uh, a variety of diseases. Uh, and and uh, they're going to also have to deal with uh, people not bringing their cars back, and they may have to give them a monetary incentive to bring their cars back. Well, you know, the first question I had was, oh boy, here we go again. How was this allowed to go on for so long? Yeah, it's a good question because it was discovered by uh, a university in West Virginia in cooperation with an independent lab. So you might say, well, why didn't the government test it? Why that is EPA my question. Test? Yeah, well... That's what happens when uh, deregulation kicks in and the pressure by people in Congress and some business publications like the Wall Street Journal hammering for deregulation, deregulation, that's what you get. You get people who die, people who get sick, people who are fleeced or gouged. And uh, I think now the auto safety agency has been revived. They have a pretty good administrator, Mark Rosekind. It's getting tough on recalls. It's getting a little bit bigger budget, although it's minuscule compared to the uh, public health and safety challenge that the uh, auto safety agency has to cope with. It's called the National Highway Safety Administration, NHTSA, inside the Department of Transportation. has good websites. You can find out if your car was recalled or is in the process of being recalled. Uh, but uh, it was asleep at the switch for many years under pressure from the White House and Congress who didn't want it to ruffle up the auto industry. Now, uh, I think it's on the rise again. And the more the, the, the media focuses on it, the more people demand performance from their government agencies, the better consumer products they're going to get. Yeah, I've just noticed in the last, I'm going to say six or seven years, it seems to have gotten worse again. And I guess, uh, as with all new agencies, you know, there's a point at which they're formed, they're very enthusiastic, they go and, and check everything, go after everybody, and then it seems like they almost enter a period of complacency. And then something really horrible has to happen again. Uh, you know, I, and, and it's it's uncalled for. I mean, I, I, you would think they would stay on top of safety issues. Yeah. And well, you don't you're... have to have an event like this to uh, start enforcing the law. You're describing something that characterizes a lot of uh, federal and state regulatory agencies. Uh, they uh, they start out and they're enthusiastic, and then the lobbies come in and they get their people inside the agency to take positions. They and they wear the them down. 
Yeah, they did. That's it. They they, they do wear them down. They wear them but down, you, and you, then they're ineffective, and then we have to have uh, fatalities and and and, and outsiders yeah. actually outside these agencies make these discoveries. Yeah, like that horrible methane uh, 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 emission. Yes, in, yes, uh, absolutely. California. That that's going to lead to tougher regulation on pipelines by utilities. Absolutely. Uh, but now criminal. We have to, we have to take our yeah. first break. When we come back. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about your book, Return to Sender. And, and also we'll talk about this methane situation in California, which is exploding as we speak. Uh, you're listening to the Costa Report. Now, if you've been listening to the Costa Report, you know that I'm a big fan of wines by Caraccioli Cellars. And today I'm here with Scott Caraccioli, who's one of the brains behind the most memorable wines money can buy. So I have a question for you. How did your family get into the wine business? Um, You know, in 2006, my father, his brother and uncle were really playing with the idea of planting a vineyard. And planting a vineyard turned into making a bottle, turned into making sparkling wine when um, Michelle came into the picture. So it was really kind of an organic situation, us being in agriculture in the Salinas Valley, and then the extension of that went to grapes, and here we are today. To find out more about Caraccioli Wines, visit us at www.caracciolicellars.com or stop by our tasting room in downtown Carmel, California. That's Caraccioli Cellars, C-A-R-A-C-C-I-O-L-I, Cellars, where one bottle is never enough. If you're wondering what to do with all that data you're creating, do I have an offer for you? Tableau is drag-and-drop software that people of any skill level can use to analyze and turn data into something actionable. That's right. I said actionable. And isn't that what all that data is for? With Tableau, you can connect to any data in virtually any format and visualize it on the fly. Databases, spreadsheets, even big data sources are instantly combined into usable charts, graphs, reports, and dashboards. People can analyze data and drag and drop at 10 times the speed of a traditional business intelligence system. But the most impressive thing about Tableau is that anyone can use it. And just to prove the point, you can get a free 14-day trial from Tableau just by mentioning you heard this ad. But do it now, because this offer won't last. For your free 14-day trial, visit Tableau at T-A-B-L-E-A-U dot com slash Costa. That's Tableau.com slash Costa. Tableau Software. What's your data trying to tell you? It's exciting to be a part of it. The growing enthusiasm, the sense of community. Business is growing every day. People coming together all across Monterey County to make this an even better place to live and work and call home. People like Bill Roth of Lockwood. I'm a rancher, a business owner, and a longtime resident of Monterey. I care about our neighbors, our environment, and our jobs. So it concerned Jill and me when we heard someone to ban Monterey's long history of safe well-regulated oil production. It's an industry that generated $202 million in tax revenues and employs almost 2,000 people in the county. Let's keep Monterey open for business. Let's keep oil production here, where it's done under strict regulation to protect the environment while creating jobs and increasing tax revenues. Learn more about the facts behind the science. Visit energymonterey.com. That's energymonterey.com. Paid for by Californians for Energy Independence. I'm in almost every school bus and classroom. I go to school with your children. We say the Pledge of Allegiance together. You see me around the neighborhood, and you tell me that I'm a pretty good kid. Well, I'm one out of every five children in America, and I'm struggling with hunger. This problem is closer than you think. My teacher tells me we can grow up to be whatever we want. I want to grow up to be someone who doesn't go to bed hungry. There's enough food in this country to feed everybody. Please visit feedingamerica.org today and find your local food bank for ways to help. Every dollar you donate helps provide eight meals for kids like me, quietly struggling with hunger. Together, we are Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Well, 
Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is lawyer, consumer advocate, and author Ralph Nader. And before the break, we were talking about the 50th anniversary of Unsafe at Any Speed, the book that completely changed automobile safety around the world. Uh, And also before the break, we were talking about the fact that oversight organizations often lose their effectiveness over time. Uh, you were just beginning to talk about uh, the methane gas issue that's emerging. Yeah. And we also have the lead contamination in Flint, Michigan. Yes. You know, the key vacuum in these regulatory laws is there's no criminal penalty for willful and, vi- and knowing violation that endangers or takes human lives, Rebecca. Why and isn't was, there? Well, that's what the corporate lawyers lobby Congress for the most. They they want to excise the criminal penalty, and we lost that battle in 1966 uh, when we got the auto safety laws through, and because it's the criminal penalty that scares the industry's bosses into shaping up. As long as they all they have to do is pay fines, that's just the cost of doing business. But if they have to do jail time, it tends to focus their attention on prevention, quality control, and getting their subordinates uh, to rise to higher levels of performance. And that's true for the pipeline uh, breaks, the methane disasters, the oil spills in the Gulf, the federal regulatory laws on corporate abuses and corporate hazards, uh, by and large, don't have criminal penalties and they don't have adequate enforcement budgets. So we've got to put the federal cop more on the corporate uh, crime beat, and that will deter so much of this. Uh, if we can just focus on Senator uh, Richard Blumenthal, Senator Edward Markey, uh, Senator Bob Casey, they've got bills to put uh, criminal laws in these uh, in these regulatory statutes, and they ought to be supported. Well, you know, you and I are, have been around long enough to remember that G- there was a time when GE executives were arrested and actually served jail time for an- yeah. violating antitrust laws. That's and true. That, that, you know, and th- there, were, there, there was a time when these executives went to prison. That's right. And, and fact, you don't hear that anymore. Yeah. A corporate lawyer once told me that, uh, that the reverberations were enormous when corporate executives who were engaged in price fixing or cartel uh, building saw those GE executives on their way to jail. Uh, and that was for price fixing on uh, heavy-duty electric generators, uh, price fixing between General Electric and Alice Chalmers and other competitors. That, that seems mild today. Yeah. Well, you see, that law has criminal penalties. It was passed in 1890, and it has criminal penalties. But the more uh, recent laws suffered from enormous lobbying and cash contributions to politicians' campaigns. We've got to turn it around. There's huge public support. Like 90% of the people in this country think uh, that if, corporation, if corporate executives do the crime, they're gonna, they, they should do the time. You're absolutely right, because otherwise the fines mean nothing. That's, as you say, just a cost of doing business. Yes. And in many instances, it's even worse than that. They can write it off. Or pass it on to the consumer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there ultimately isn't any punishment. There's no, there's, you know, and I, the Volkswagen paying a fine, I, I don't know. I, I, I just don't, that doesn't but, seem sufficient. Well, Volkswagen is exposed now to a potential criminal prosecution because although it's not in the auto safety law, uh, there is a federal statute that says if you lie to the federal government, if you provide them with false information, you can be criminally prosecuted. And of course, that's exactly what they did. They rigged the software to come out with false tests that were not uh, uh, were not uh, participating in actual road conditions. And so the U.S. Attorney in New York and the Justice Department are looking into criminal penalties. Mr. Nader, I am not a betting woman, uh, but I would bet we don't see a single person do time. You might be right, because yeah. they, they said the same thing for the GM ignition switch defect, which was uh, pretty knowing and willful, and uh, uh, nobody in GM was prosecuted and GM had to pay a $900 million fine, which uh, for GM is not very much, especially since they still have billions of taxpayer dollars stashed away uh, for the bail- from the bailout a few years ago of General Motors by the federal government. I mean, 
it is amazing the privileges and immunities of these giant corporations. We're not talking about small business. Of these giant corporations worldwide escaping one government's jurisdiction and going into another country where it's more uh, amenable to its uh, abuses. Uh, it, it's a major, major threat to democracies all over the world. And we've got to pay attention to it. And the only tool we have is the rule of law. Yes, that's correct. Now, let's switch gears for a moment. Let's talk about this book that kept me up all night, Return to Sender. Uh, what compelled you to publish these letters that were never opened at the White House? Because in the 60s and 70s, I would write letters uh, uh, to senators and uh, presidents, and, and they would respond, and I'd release them to the press, the letters, and it would get articles in the Washington Post or New York Times. and It was... Uh, a very democratic way of having your own media. Uh, when you write a letter to a senator, representative, governor, or president, uh, nobody can censor you. you. You have control over that media, the letter that you put in the mail or email. And to stifle that and to snuff that out, uh, Rebecca, really incensed me. Uh, and as I wrote one letter after another on so many issues, uh, drug price uh, uh, gouging, uh, militarization of foreign policy, unfair taxation, uh, uh, secrecy in government, uh, criminal behavior by uh, uh, corporations. And, and there wasn't even an acknowledgement of receipt. I mean, that, that's just a courtesy that should be expended to all citizens. I wrote a critical uh, pair of letters to the pre uh, Prime Minister of Canada, and I got a formal uh, acknowledgement by his uh, chief of correspondence and said they, they read the letter, and they're going to send it to the respective uh, ministries. Now, what's happening to our White House here? And it doesn't matter whether it's Bush or Obama or Republican or Democrat. So that's what made me put it into a book, not just to give more currency to the letters and what is on a lot of people's minds that are reflected in the letters, but to get people to write themselves and to demand that uh, there be a two-way communication here. When uh, the senators and representatives send you a letter, they don't have any stamps. It's a franking privilege, so they don't have an excuse that it costs them money. In Canada, by the way, when you send a letter to your member of parliament, say from Toronto to Ottawa, there is no a stamp required. There's a two-way franking privilege. Right. It's a, it's a free service that's offered to citizens to, yeah. write, to write to their government leaders. I think that should be free. I mean, that should be a free privilege to anybody yeah. that wants to contact their yeah. government uh, leaders. Uh, do you think that it's just a matter uh, that this is the people have moved on to emails or electronic? They don't want to open up physical mail? <laughs> I don't part know. Somebody it, asked me that. Yeah, well, part of it is uh, is the email uh, expansion. But, you know, there are dozens of volunteers who go to the White House every day to open the mail. That's right. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful tradition. Yes. And, uh, and, uh, but if I put this letter in an email, it wouldn't have gotten answered either. Well, that's a good point. <laughs> Maybe the medium doesn't matter. But the irony <laughs> here is, now that you put it in a book, they probably will get read. <laughs> so we're going to take like a, you, they will. <laughs> we're going to take another break, and we'll be right back with more from Ralph Nader. You're listening to the Costa Report. As a scientist who works hard to stay on top of current events and trends, I know how easy it is to get caught up in the details of a story and lose sight of the big picture. What is happening to society as a whole? Where are we headed? Why does it feel as if there's greater instability, unrest, and danger in the world? The truth is, very few of us have time to contemplate these questions. And if we're waiting for our leaders or the media to paint a clear picture, well, we may be in for a long wait. That's why I'm urging you to grab a copy of The Watchman's rattle. Do it now. Go to RebeccaCosta.com. Find out why scientists, government leaders, and the heads of the largest corporations in America are waking up to a newly uncovered pattern of human behavior. That's The Watchman's Rattle at RebeccaCosta.com, a bestseller in 26 countries and a book that Richard Branson, Donald Trump, and experts everywhere are calling a must-read. That's The Watchman's Rattle, available at bookstores everywhere and online at RebeccaCosta.com. 
Michael Olson here, Watsonville Airport, something brand new and exciting, and I have the person that's responsible, and your name is? Ella King. Ella. Ella's at the airport. Yeah, that's right. You got it right. What are you going to do to please the palates of the Monterey Bay Area with Ella's at the airport? Uh, well, we are working with mostly local, organic, sustainable seafoods, grass-fed meats. So you start with that, and from there we build a beautiful meal, be it lunch, dinner, or weekend brunch. I think that from there we've got you covered. Ella's at the airport also has a great outdoor seating area where you can watch the airplanes come and go, and we also feature a full bar. Ella's at the airport, 100 Aviation Way in Watsonville. Call 831-728-3282 for reservations. That's 728-3282. So you finally decided to start taking a vitamin supplement. Those chewables and tablets are fine if you don't mind paying for something that is only absorbed about 4-6%. to 6%. However, a liquid supplement can have a 90% absorption rate if you choose the right one. Longevity offers a wide variety of liquid supplements with a 90% absorption rate or more. Beyond Tangy Tangerine may be the best one ever invented. It starts as a liquid that is freeze-dried like those instant coffees into a crystal. Then all you have to do is add a couple of scoops to water. No refrigeration, no fuss, no mess. Not only do you get a complete multiple vitamin, Beyond Tangy Tangerine also has minerals and it tastes fantastic. You'll want to drink it all day long. So the next time you reach for a vitamin supplement, reach for Beyond Tangy Tangerine from Longevity. For more information or to order, call Andy or Phyllis Anderson at 888-245-0300. That's 888-245-0300. So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with a mouthful, don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What tape? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Miles, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, my guest today is Ralph Nader, who has another bestseller on his hands titled Return to Sender, Unanswered Letters to the President. Now, speaking of presidents, we've got an important presidential election coming up, one which will have a very direct impact on the future composition of the Supreme Court. I find it fascinating that Way back at the beginning of 2013, you, Mr. Nader, predicted that a billionaire would enter the race. What did you know that the rest of us didn't see coming? And I take it Trump wasn't the billionaire you had in mind. Oh, it, it might have been. There were other billionaires. I thought maybe uh, Mayor Bloomberg of New York City. Uh, and uh, maybe Tom Steyer of San Francisco, because you you could feel the vibrations of what they were saying publicly, worrying about the country, uh, condemning politics as usual, uh, showing that they could fund their own campaigns and have to rely on uh, grubbing uh, for donations, and being able to command their own media. You know, the media is sort of strange. They give so much uh, benefit of the doubt to billionaire political candidates that the pollsters polled them right away uh, and uh, they give them huge coverage we all remember uh, Ross Perot who 1992 got uh, 19 million votes uh, as a uh, uh, third party candidate and he didn't get a single electoral college vote but we can get to that in a moment but this is where letters come in Rebecca because I want people to shape the presidential campaign from where they live and work. I want them to demand their own debates that people 
the candidates should come to their communities. I want them to send letters to these candidates uh, challenging their record or admiring their record and then sending copies of letters to their friends and neighbors and to the local media. So letters to elected officials uh, are very, very uh, prone to multiple uses. And, you know, when you write a letter, you're more committed as a citizen. It sort of gets you over the first hump uh, of apathy. Uh, and when you send it to your friends and your relatives, the local paper, not just the elected official that it's addressed to, it really gets the civic juices uh, underway. But I think we're going to be seeing more billionaires in presidential campaigns uh, in the future. Wait well, what, what, do you, what do you say to people who will read this book and say, I can write a letter, but it won't be opened? <laughs> I, mean, well, I mean, the irony here is you're encouraging people to write yes. a letter, right? The, the pen is mightier than the sword, which I happen yes. to be, believe. I was taught that way. Yes. Uh, but on the other hand, you're admitting the letters don't get opened well, and, I don't, and no I, one I, pays I attention to them. I don't know whether they've never been opened. I'm quite sure they have been opened because you have all these volunteers and they send the letters to various departments and agencies. It should, but you it never nice. even got an, a single acknowledgement right. on these That's letters. That's right. It would be nice to know. And by the way, you can put it up on your Facebook account, YouTube. You can put it up on a blog. In these days, the letter can reach thousands of people, not just uh, sending copies old-fashioned to your neighbors or your uh, or give them to your co-workers. It just allows you to stand up tall. It allows you to develop civic self-confidence. It allows you to matter and to be counted. Uh, th- those are the first uh, steps toward a vibrant, functioning democratic society. Now, can I confess something to you? Because everyone is going to be emailing me. I'm the worst parent in the world. But as part of my children's allowance program, right? Uh, we had chores around our house. You take out the trash. It was worth 75 cents. I, I, we were kind of on the cheap end because we didn't want our kids to have more money than they could handle. We were pretty sure that was a formula for bad behavior. Uh, but one of the things we had on our list was if you write a letter to either your grandma about a current event or to a congressman or a representative, that was worth five bucks. That was pretty big. That would get you into a movie with popcorn and a soft drink. I should say. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, you know, kids are pretty motivated by getting, getting some money so they can get to the movies over the weekend. And, yes. I, and I found that to be, even though it was a forced practice on my part, to this day, my kids still write letters. So it worked. It worked. It, it became a way yeah. of them expressing themselves in exactly what you said. They became civically engaged, and it yes. became a part of their life. And it helps the post office. I've told the postal service, <laughs> I said, look, you want to get more first-class mail, have a little corner in the local post office or the branch uh, so parents can bring their children down, uh, you know, seven, eight, nine-year-old, teach them how to write thank-you notes for any gifts that they got or write to the grandma or grandpa. It's extremely easy to do, and it's extremely consequential. Now, it would be good if they did it without $5, but I'll tell you one thing, Rebecca. It sure beats spending $75 for a Nintendo game that they get tired of after a few days. Well, sure, and not, not to mention the educational benefits of learning vocabulary, engaging in current events. You know, we had lots to talk about around the dinner table. And, you know, in doing research about you, uh, hanging out in your dad's bakery and restaurant uh, really did help to shape your formative years. Oh, huge. I learned to talk to all kinds of people. I learned to converse with factory workers across the street in the textile uh, factory. I I learned to talk to former... uh, uh, salespeople, uh, craftspeople, uh, plumbers, electricians. I learned to talk to teachers who came into the restaurant. Uh, I, and I learned to talk to, to jurors who were on lunch break. They'd come up from the local court uh, to have <laughs> lunch in Dad's restaurant. You know, I put all these things in this little book, yes. uh, 17 Traditions, How My Parents Raised Their Four Children in a New England Factory Town. And uh, it's the only book I've ever written, uh, Rebecca, that everybody loves. Well, of (laughs) course. And, you know, I have to tell you, it was a great book as a parent to read, you know, because it was filled with ideas for me 
on yes. how I could get my children interested and engaged. My children would, would kind of sit around while the adults had conversations about uh, issues that were going on in the world. And even to this day, they're, they're very active. And I think that part of that just is organically it gets absorbed. Yeah, the first tradition was learning how to listen, teaching children how to listen. Yes. And uh, that's very important. Uh, we now have dinners all over the United States in living rooms where the, the it's a child-centric dinner, that they're all focusing on the child, and the, the child is running around, and adults can't have com- conversations. But like you just said, when, when we were growing up, we were... We sat and, and listened to adults. Yes. It doesn't mean we didn't say anything once <laughs> in a while, but it, it, the adults were able to converse, and indirectly they educated us. Well, I have to thank my dad for being patient when I made absolutely moronic arguments. <laughs> <laughs> he was a he was a very patient man. Uh, uh, now, one thing I do want to talk about, and I promised our, our uh, listeners we would talk about this, is we've got a series of insurgent candidates that are outside the Beltway that are showing up here. Uh, even I would consider Bernie Sanders, although he's not out completely outside the Beltway as an insurgent candidate. What do you think about these folks? Well, I like some more than others, obviously. I think some of them, uh, you know, to use a, a word you just used in another context, is, uh, are moronic. Uh, I mean, you, you've got uh, two senators who've just been in the Senate for a very short time making just often moronic statements or in, inconsistent statements. Senator uh, Rubio just said in New Hampshire, I heard him on public radio, he said uh, that, he understood poverty, that he had student loans, he had to live paycheck to paycheck. And no one ever says, well, Senator Rubio, why are you against uh, inflation adjusting, uh, raising the minimum wage? And uh, why, why haven't you made a proposal on these high interest rate student loans that are uh, a yoke around millions of young people in, in our country? They just don't follow through the reporters. And the funniest statement was made by Senator Cruz, who who said in New Hampshire, he said, the time for rhetoric is over. We have to examine the candidates on their record. Well, I mean, if you looked at Senator <laughs> Cruz's record in the Senate, I mean, the guy just goes in and he shouts and he waves his arms and he doesn't do much anything at all. Well, we so, certainly live in a reality world, uh, you know, television yeah. program. I mean, someone was on uh, recently and they said, you know, these elections are looking more and more like reality shows and the debates more and more like game shows. And I think you'd probably agree with that. Very, gonna, very true. We're going to take another short break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Costa Report. Big data is being generated by everything around us all the time. Every digital process and social media exchange produce it. Systems, sensors, and mobile devices transmit it. Big data is arriving from multiple sources with ever-increasing velocity, volume, and variety. It's becoming the world's newest resource for competitive advantage, allowing decision-making to move from the elite few to the empowered many. The escalating demand for insights requires a fundamentally new approach to architecture, tools, and practices. To extract meaningful value from big data, you need optimal processing power, analytics capabilities, and skills. Find out how IBM Big Data and Analytics can transform your business. Visit www.ibm.com slash bigdata today. That's www.ibm.com slash bigdata. Do you love creating salads as much as you enjoy eating them? Hi, I'm Amy Tobin, cookbook author and culinary expert. Dole inspires fresh and wholesome dishes for any meal with their wide selection of salad blends and all-natural salad kits. From the mild and tender texture of sweet butter lettuce to the crunch of classic romaine sprinkled with colorful shredded carrots and red cabbage, Dole has over 30 salad blends to satisfy every palate. If you're looking for the ultimate in convenience, try Dole's unique salad kit combinations that include farm-fresh lettuces and vegetables, mouth-watering all-natural toppings, and specially made dressings. It's all you need to make a distinctively delicious salad. The possibilities are endless. 
Visit www.dolesalads.com for recipes and other ideas to feed your culinary imagination. If you have a home, you have problems. But in your neighborhood, you've got an ace in the hole. Hello, Charlie Friedman here with good news for all of you out there who have a garage door that needs painting, a gate that needs a hinge, or a leaking seal on the shower faucet. The good news is you can find a solution for almost every home and garden problem at your neighborhood Ace Hardware store. That's right, you don't need to go to that big box store because you can find neighborhood Ace Hardware stores in Freedom, Marina, Gilroy, Salinas, and at two locations in Watsonville. These Ace Hardware stores are locally owned by my friends Manuel and Carlos Rodriguez. They're almost always on hand to make certain you find the solution to your problem. So, when you have a problem, head for your neighborhood Ace Hardware store. You'll be met at the door and taken straight to the solution to your problem, and you'll be on your way soon with the solution in the bag and a smile on your face. Now, at all Ace locations, pick up your Longevity Tangy Tangerine and Healthy Body Start Packs at great prices. Ace is the place. your Ace in the hole. Get connected with one of California's most exciting business communities every Saturday from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. on Think Local First Radio. Join local business people as they host local business people for a conversation about doing business and staying in business in Santa Cruz County. This Saturday, join Dick Scopatoni from Little Biz, Jill Salito from Modern Life, Matthew Swinnerton from Event Santa Cruz, or Michael Olson from KSCO as they host fascinating business people and true adventures from the Santa Cruz County business community. Think Local First Radio is brought to you by Sock Shop and Shoe Company at 1515 Pacific in downtown Santa Cruz. The first thing they look at is shoes. And if they see you in shoes and socks from Sock Shop and Shoe Company, they will look up to you. And also buy Staff of Life Natural Foods Market at 1266 SoCal Avenue in Santa Cruz. Think local first and eat local first by shopping a genuine Santa Cruz tradition. The original Staff of Life Natural Foods Market. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is Ralph Nader. And when we closed the last segment, you were speaking about the Republican field of candidates. And yes. In the interest of nonpartisanship, let's look at the Democratic race for just a moment. Does yes. a socialist have a real shot this year? Well, he's not a socialist in the sense that he's uh, not for government ownership of the means of production. He's a democratic socialist in the Western European tradition, Scandinavia, Holland, Belgium, France, uh, Germany. Uh, By that I mean he does uh, believe very much in uh, keeping Social Security firm and expanding it. He wants full Medicare for all, everybody in, nobody out with free choice of doctor and hospital, much more efficient, by the way, than the present gouging, inefficient, duplicative system with all the paperwork and uh, confusing billing systems. Uh, And, uh, you know, we have a lot of so-called, quote, socialism in this country. They're called public highways, public uh, drinking water systems, public electric companies, uh, public libraries. <laughs> it's just, uh, there are a lot of things. And, and in conservative areas, too. You know, there's a, a state liquor uh, st- store uh, uh, network in New Hampshire. There is a uh, government-owned uh, uh, electric uh, company, the biggest one in Nebraska, of all places. So I think Bernie Sanders is as real a people's presidential candidate as we're likely to see uh, in the Democratic Party. Uh, there are Green Party candidates, etc., that are also very good. But he really is real. He's, he's like scandal-free. He's the real thing. He's walked the talk. He talks the talk. And he really believes in his gut and his mind that politics should be about people and that democracy is not a spectator sport. So he's done what no one has ever done, I, I think, in the Democratic Party. He has uh, raised huge amounts of money in very small denominations, and he refuses to go to these big fat cat fundraisers in Manhattan and New York or in Beverly Hills. He doesn't go to them. So he, he, he practices what he preaches. Uh, he's, he's not as... Uh, fulsome on military and foreign affairs yet. He likes to focus on wages and uh, health care and uh, uh, making Wall Street accountable and and uh, consumer protection and labor uh, protections. But 
He's about the best we're going to see in the Democratic Party, and he's gone a long way without our advice. Well, to your earlier point, the media clearly offers greater coverage to billionaires. So, yeah. you know, you and, and nowhere yeah. do you see that more in this race. I mean, the, the amount of just minutes of mainstream yeah. media coverage of Donald Trump versus Bernie Sanders is, is so out of skew. Yeah, right. You know, a month ago, a report came out that ABC had given uh, Donald Trump 82 minutes and 30, 30 seconds to Bernie Sanders. And by the way, in a head-on poll, Bernie Sanders beats Donald Trump far more than Hillary Clinton. And she's got a lot of baggage, uh, and, uh, and uh, she's saying things she doesn't believe in order to uh, try to uh, thwart uh, Bernie Sanders. But uh, I do think her record shows she is a corporatist, Wall Street, and she's a militarist in terms of never seeing a weapon system or a war she didn't like. So uh, there's a real choice here for people in the Democratic uh, primary. I, I, I'd wish that Jim Webb and Lincoln Chafee had not dropped out after the first debate. I, mean, I could never understand why they did so, I, probably because they didn't have much money. But still, they had five other debates with millions of people to listen to what they had to say. Well, I but, would not want to be them uh, explaining to you why they quit. <laughs> you know, I, I like I a lot of. Do that. I like a lot of candidates, and uh, and by the way, to show what is not being discussed by most people uh, in the presidential race, uh, I had that frustration when I ran in two thousand eight, uh, Rebecca. So I put on my website eighteen redirections for our country, most of whom, most of which have majority support, left right support among yes. the American people. Uh, that were, were taken off the table and not discussed by the Republican Democratic nominees, not discussed in the debates, not discussed on the campaign trail. And I, I left the website open just for people who want to get the details on this. You can go to votenator.org. It's 2008, and it's still open if you want to examine how I ran a presidential campaign and how I talked about things on your mind that the others never wanted to discuss. Now, I have to ask you, uh, do you see any hope of a third party, a strong, viable third party emerging in America? Well, yes, I do. Uh, I I see, uh, here we go again, I see a billionaire or two starting a third party or an independent party. The Electoral College, I think, is about to be abolished, uh, Rebecca, and the People who are stimulating that all across the country are not far from you. They're mm-hmm. in San Francisco, yes. led by Steve Silverstein, who's a philanthropist. He's already gotten a number of states to pass laws in an interstate compact that basically say we will we will award our electoral votes to any presidential candidate who wins the popular vote nationwide. He's got California, New York, Maryland, and others already passed laws. He's up to... He's about halfway, mm-hmm. and uh, if by 2020 he gets the hallway and there's no more bizarre electoral college where you can win the popular vote and lose the presidency, that's going to encourage more third-party candidates of means uh, because they won't be able to say, well, even if I have a lot of money and I can run a great campaign and put a lot of TV ads on, I don't want to be like Ross Perot who got 19 million votes and not one, not one electoral vote. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Uh, it seems it, it, what you're saying is is that if you win the popular uh, support, uh, then that's all that's required. Right, in state after state. Yeah, yeah in state after state. Now, uh, my last question is a real tough one. I have a lot of ambivalence about this. Let's say this comes down to Trump or Clinton. Uh, I People ask me, they say, who are you going to vote for? I can't tell people to abstain, you know, because that's not the democratic tradition. That's but, why. I, uh, that's but why I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm really troubled here. Help me out. What do, okay. what do I do if those okay. are the only two viable choices? That's why I want a binding none of the above, all, <laughs> so people can vote no to, to the candidates, no confidence, and and if it's a binding none of the above, uh, say a governor, senator city council uh it it 
pushes a new election with new candidates. Then we if, start we start over. We hit reset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is if that it's right? a binding on the above the gets We need more that. Yeah. Is anybody now, working on that? Oh yes, we we have actually a, a brochure on how to start a binding none of the above movement in in your uh, uh, in your community. Nevada has a non-binding uh, none of the above, uh, and it's the only state that has anything like a non-binding one. But here's what I would do: if I didn't like the candidates, I would write in a candidate. I would uh, exert an act of conscience. I would not become a tactical voter, least worst. I would write in my uh, preferred candidate. Yeah, vote your conscience. Not don't right. be manipulated. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Now, uh, before we run out of time, do you have a website where people can go to get more information about the book? It's titled Return to Sender. Yes. You can go to nader.org, N-A-D-E-R.org. Uh, you can uh, get a free copy uh, weekly of my column, uh, in the public interest, just sign up and you get it automatically. Uh, seven minutes of agitation every week. I think it'll be a good <laughs> conversation. And uh, I, I have, I'm now in almost my end of my second year of a radio program called the Ralph Nader Hour, which you can uh, download, uh, podcast, uh, and it's on a number of radio stations. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm in, 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 I'm in invading your your area there uh, well Rebecca. well welcome to the media <laughs> and and hopefully we can uh, together make a little bit of a change unfortunately that is all the time uh, we have left but before we close the program today i want to thank you for your service to our country thank you mr nader and thank you rebecca thank you for elevating civic and political conversation we need it well we're both on the same side here in the media of of just trying to make the discourse a little more objective a little more informative and a lot a lot less hateful Uh, so thank you again for joining us today you're you're very welcome and thank your listeners bye-bye now next week we turn our focus away from the domestic front to the middle east my guest is the chairman of the defense policy board under president bush and assistant secretary of defense for global strategic affairs under president reagan mr richard pearl don't miss richard pearl next week on the only program that puts policy ahead of politics now stay tuned for a second hour of straight talk radio You're listening to the Costa Report. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.